watching my fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Thank you. Thank you for... Thank you. Oh. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm clapping for you. Thank you so much. Yes. Keep clapping. Clap if you believe. How would we know you believe if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. This is a Muddied Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on the Instagram. Check us out on SoundCloud. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. Check us out on a whole bunch of other sites I can't even remember right now. Muddied Waters Media, taking over the world. Check us out. The intro and outro music that I use on this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is from the wonderful and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook. Go to his band camp. Buy all of his music. It's like $11, $10. Buy all of his music. You'll be so happy. Uh, Joe Davi. As always, shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him. Guys, I am really excited to have my guest, my next guest. I've actually been excited to, to have her on since I booked her a few weeks ago. She is an internet sensation. Her memes and her videos are incredibly popular all over the internet. She is the anarcho-capitalist superstar that we all wish that we could be. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my fellow Americans, the philosopher. Thank you so much for joining my show today. No problem, Spike. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm going to spare us all some embarrassment because just before I started this episode, uh, I discovered that it's actually pronounced pho. 
So I was going to be calling you the faux philosopher until you had the uh, until you actually corrected me. So I'm I'm, I'm glad for both of us that I figured that out right beforehand. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so for those who are watching, uh, be sure to comment with any questions or thoughts that you have for me or my guest, the philosopher, and we'll let you know if you're right or wrong. Um, so <laughs> I was, and just pure, purely out of curiosity, what was your, what was behind your decision to call yourself the philosopher and kind of use a pseudonym as opposed to your, as opposed to your name? Oh, um, well, it's more for one reason is like for privacy, right? Um, but another is I wanted to, I liked having the idea of like a pseudonym um, beyond just my name that represented what I'm about. Uh, right. So, I mean, the main thing about my whole page is philosophy. Right. Like, that's my focus. Um, and I just so happen to really love. Uh, and so I was like, oh, well, it fits in there. And yeah. <laughs> so that's that cool. was... Uh, yeah, my idea for that. Yeah, that's really cool. And it catches it as soon as I told when I would tell people that you were going to be my guest, they knew who you were immediately. So it was it was very catchy. Oh, that's cool. Now, <laughs> do you prefer to be called a anarcho-capitalist, voluntarist? Do you really have a preference there? Mm, yeah, I go by ANCAP or voluntarist, anarchist too. Sometimes right. I say libertarian. They're all sort um, of they're all none of those are mutually exclusive. But I was just curious. I know some people yeah. are very like they prefer one term over the other. Now, how would yeah. you say got you got to that, that the beliefs you have now? Was it sort of an aha moment or would you say mm. it was sort of an evolution over time of your beliefs? Oh, um, I would say it was an aha moment. Mm. Um, so the story that I have that took me to becoming an anarchist was I started listening to uh, Stefan Molyneux's Free Domain radio show. Oh, okay. And on that show, I first got really interested in his work because he would have a lot of guests on that would, you know, calling in, asking about uh, family problems or relationship issues. Right. And, you know, that pulled me in because I was experiencing my own issues with family and friends and trying to understand, like, why I felt so sad or you know, angry. And um, it was really like therapeutic to listen to the other people's like experiences right. and their struggles as well as they try to understand the truth of their relationships and the reality mm. of the childhoods that they experienced. Um, so that's what drew me in first. And in all his Colin shows, he seeds in the principles of, um, of, uh, of voluntarism, essentially. Right. Right. Um, and so I became an anarchist after realizing the nature of the state. Like once I realized that taxation was theft and um, <laughs> and the state is predicated on coercion, right. I was immediately an anarchist. So it was like that aha moment. Um, but I still had lingering, you know, confusion and question about like, well, who's going to who's going to defend us if there's no state and like, right. But right. in the end I was still like an anarchist for ethical reasons. Right. So, and yeah. it just over time kind of disabusing yourself of all of your conditioning of what well, we, you know, it's a bad thing, but we, we might need the state for, like you said, you know, common defense or a lot of people, I don't know how people get hung up on roads. I, it, it, to me, that seems like that was an, I think even before I was an anarchist, I'm like, 
someone else could deal with the roads, but people, you know, people have. <laughs> I can their understand it. it just because, like, in public school, I don't know. Did you go to public school? I was off and on. I was partially homeschooled oh, and, and okay. then partially public school. So I, I, I got a taste of both. So, yeah. Mm, I see. I was there, yeah, the whole time. Okay. <laughs> Like, there's a lot of propaganda, especially in elementary school. There's pictures of governments and roads and police <laughs> and firefighters. Right, like, right, I remember right. that in my, in like first, second, third grade, especially. Right, right, right. Like, you know, say hi to Smokey the Bear or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> he works with the local law enforcement, keeps everyone safe, keeps capitalists in check. Like, right, I remember right. that whole narrative. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, most people grew up with that who went through the public school system. So right. they're, they're just inundated with those images. Right. And it's probably not even very conscious that they pick it up. Like I didn't consciously go, okay, I see a picture of the roads. That must mean this. I just like took it in subconsciously. I think right. most people do that too. So Right. You weren't like, oh, government must be good. I'm looking at it. But it's just such a... a, a... Uh, a kind of subtle uh, insipid thing that you're not even realizing what's happening and it, it's as simple as like i remember even as a kid being told you know if you get lost find a police officer like, you mm-hmm. know, because yeah, they'll protect you and, yeah. and and you know i mean it's so it's 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 one of those funny things where it's like you don't realize just and i don't think the people that are doing it realize that they're actually conditioning you to accept the brutal police state but it's like you know that that's the first step that you know if nothing else you can trust a cop that's a total stranger so um, mm-hmm. that's, that's funny, but, uh, I, yeah. you mentioned it, it's interesting. Stefan, uh, Molyneux, uh, video, the story of your enslavement. I like, sorry, side thing. I like how you say his name properly. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Some people. I say Stefan. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm like Stefan Molyneux. Like, Stefan Molyneux. Right. That's it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the story of your enslavement, I don't know if you've seen that. That's kind of mm-hmm. his it's like the uh, number one yeah it's sort of like every, if any if, if no one even knows who we're talking about they've probably even still seen that watching that <laughs> That's great. i already would say i was probably an anarchist before that mm-hmm. watching that actually you know it was more of an us versus them type of thing you know like well we don't need the government but watching that really helped me to realize like the actual nature of the state and our relation to them that we're really like cattle in a tax farm. This is not, yeah. you know, like they, they truly see us as like a farm and which helped me reconcile. Well, if they're so <clears throat> oppressive to us, why do they allow us certain liberties and freedoms? Why do they allow us? To... And they said for the same reason that they let cows walk around on the farm because, you know, it's, it's a better yield for, from, you know, from what they're, basically their crop is which is us yeah um so that really helped i'm curious to ask you though it's been difficult the last couple years watching um stefan where he has i mean he still considers himself an anarchist but in my mind he has he's accepted a lot of things like uh government uh restriction of immigration and government trade protectionism and doesn't seem to ever really have any stop and frisk yeah, stop and frisk. One and... time on a show, yeah, I was like so surprised. <laughs> yeah, and he said, uh, him and his um, co or operations manager Mike both said, yeah, it worked in New York. I'm like, first of all, it did not work. It, yeah, it didn't. Uh, work. It was like some real. It was like five or ten percent, something really small percentage of people who were actually stopped had guns. Which, right. by the way, even if it was like eighty percent. That doesn't say they're a criminal. Right. Doesn't say they're a criminal. Right. Yeah. So I, even it, aside from that being wrong, it's just the ethical part. I was so surprised. I was like, 
and he still calls himself an like he hasn't said i'm no longer an because i mean there are plenty of uh what's his name cantwell who's pretty much says now i'm no longer a you know an anarcho-capitalist i'm you know basically a fascist or whatever he calls radical capitalist or whatever he calls himself now right but but (laughs) rad caps but uh uh you know he still fancies himself an anarchist and then yesterday he said and he promotes the philosophy still and he exactly he talks about free market capitalism He's still a peaceful parent promoter, so right. it is he, weird those few um, exceptions that yeah, he makes to the like, principles yesterday. he still promotes. <laughs> so. Right, and he still so like yesterday he said McCarthy was right. Um, I've mm-hmm. yet to see him really level any criticism of of Trump, even when Trump's doing things exactly like what Obama or Bush or, or Clinton did. I, I was just curious what your thoughts on that were. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it, it seems to be like a real disconnect between the Stefan that did the story of your enslavement and still seems to have those beliefs. And the Stefan that thinks, I guess that uh, the government needs to be there to protect us from dangerous low IQ minorities. Like what, what mm-hmm. do you think of that? Yeah. Um, well, you could probably send some of my sentiment. Like I, don't <laughs> like <it>. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I feel disappointed. Like when I heard he, you know, he thought stop and frisk was fine and necessary. Right. Right. It works. Um, but it, it's like a weird, I feel conflicted because, yeah. and I, I also, um, like I do catch myself sometimes having all or nothing thinking, which right. is a core issue from, well, can be a core issue from childhood, like depending, you know, on trauma. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so I catch myself sometimes being like, oh, look, he's all good or, oh, he's all bad. Cause he did right, this, right, right. but it's, it's somewhere in the middle. Like he really does want freedom and he is an anarchist in what he believes um you know except for those exceptions we could argue on those semantics right right uh, right you know he still promotes peaceful parenting he still promotes self-knowledge being really important uh he promotes having vulnerable conversations he promotes virtue like um focusing on courage, honesty, loyalty, things like that. Like that's so critical and crucial to getting to a free society. Right, right, right. It's like I just shake my head when I hear the uh, status stuff. The other stuff. And I would love to talk to him about it one day. I don't know if that will ever happen, but um, I don't know. And sometimes I have the thought like, is he just this Machiavellian person who was like, you know what? I was at, you know, 120K subscribers on YouTube and it took me, you know, 10 years to get to this audience. Um, let me start covering Trump in the elections. And then his oh. reach went all the way to like, well, right now it's like 800,000. Yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah. crazy. You know, in the two or three year span that he started, you know, covering Trump and, and appealing more to conservatives right, and christians because right. he also um has said that he used to be like really focused on debunking christianity and pointing yeah, out yeah. the beliefs are null hypotheses which he still holds right, but he said right. he has respect for um the uh the culture of like christianity of like you know wanting uh, like some of them are you know anti-state because they believe their ruler is god or whatever um, that's that's me, by the way. I th- I'm I'm very much a, <laughs> uh, you know an anarcho Christian. So so oh, yeah, exactly. okay. yeah 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 yeah. And like how monogamy is part of the culture, right, um, right. two parent homes, 
things like that. So, yeah, so it's, I don't know. I thought that, but of course, that's just speculation. I don't really have evidence for it, but... So- but that's actually a good theory that it might be that there's a marketing angle to it too, because I've I've actually I've leveraged that I think a little there bit. There is. There's I've, gotta be some marketing angle, although it's not to say that that means he doesn't he's just lying when he says he believes in stop and frisk. I think he legit thinks that it's in order for us to transition or to like keep away globalism, I think he legit believes that the state needs to intervene in immigration. Right, right. right. Yeah, no, I think I think he does. But I, I do think there may be a level of wh- what he leans on or focuses on being a, a marketing angle. And I've tried to leverage that mm-hmm. a little because yeah. I have a lot of my conservative and even some of my moderate right leaning friends who will share uh, Molyneux stuff. And I'm like, wow, he's, he's really, you know, he's definitely reaching this reach. Yeah. And when and, before it was not like that, like, no, 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 not at all. It and was I, like I, only anarchists and everyone it, was like, he's a cult leader. Well, yeah, exactly. And so when <laughs> so they'll share that stuff. he's appealed more to the, the Republicans and conservatives. So. Oh, they're a huge fan of his now. And, and when they'll share that stuff, I'll go, oh, I like Molyneux. Here's my favorite video. And I'll <laughs> share the, the story of, of your enslavement. And uh, hopefully they watch it. And uh, so yeah. if he's not using it for marketing purposes for anarchism, I at least <laughs> am trying to on the on the back right. end. So that, but that's an interesting theory. I'd never actually, I'd never thought of it that way. But I, yeah, that, that could very well. I, be I it. think there's definitely some marketing angle, like in terms of uh, shifting his rhetoric to appeal more. Um, like he uses more collectivist language sometimes, like saying we or the people and stuff. Right. Right. Well, and 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 in in his defense. His where I said he said McCarthy was right. He was talking specifically about keeping communists out of government. So it wasn't McCarthy's oh, right. Got it, got it. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, did, but I yeah, out of everything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So now your family actually, correct me if I'm wrong. They actually escaped mm-hmm. communism. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, did you see the Tom Woods uh, interview? Yeah. Ad? Yeah. I caught. I, I think I read yeah, the I transcript that. on it. Um, but I was interested. Do you mind kind of telling us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, definitely. Um. So obviously I didn't experience it. I was born here in America mm-hmm. so after my family fled to here. Um, so I'm just hearing from my mom, like the story and also from my grandma as well um, before she passed away. So I've, I've heard things here and there, like stories from my, my aunts and my mom and my grandma. Um, so what I know based on what they have told me is um my grandma and her family, when she was really young, she lived in China. Okay. And I don't know which region. I, I want to definitely explore more like of the details. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but uh, apparently my grandma's uncle was fighting in a war against like the Japanese, I think. Mm, Japanese okay. government and military. I don't like to say the Japanese because it's like all Japanese people, right? No, right. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, Yeah. So, but yeah, so they, he was killed and then they fled to Cambodia, my grandma and her parents. And then they started their own business there. Um, And then eventually the Khmer Rouge Mm -hmm. took over Cambodia and they started executing people. My grandma um, had children actually. So she's, spent a lot of her life in Cambodia. Um, She met a man there, had kids with, including my mom. She had like, uh, gosh, like six, six kids, six or seven kids. Okay. Uh, One of them. So my aunt, 
my late aunt then would uh, was dragged away by the Khmer Rouge and shot and executed oh, wow. in front of them. Um, and uh, their businesses were overtaken by them right. as well. So they had to flee on foot through like a forest, I'm told, with only her mom who was left um, of her parents uh, through the woods to Vietnam. And then I heard that uh, my great grandma, so my grandma's mom, um, couldn't make the trek. And she decided to stay behind and die on a tree like oh, wow. in the forest. Like, I feel sad, like thinking about it. Like, yeah, that's my, terrible. My eyes well. But I'm yeah, sorry. so they went to, yeah, um, they went to Vietnam and then they tried to start a new, um, they had their own like garden in their home and they're actually pretty well off compared to others around where they lived and they would uh like make pho and other food in the street like there was a there was a lot of sharing between neighbors of like food and crops and stuff right um and then the vietnam war happened and uh i know some stories about like my grandma told me like one time the the Viet Cong, so communists took over the north first and um they lived in the south in southern vietnam Hmm. so they had like some at one point Viet Cong soldiers come to their house and my grandma had to lie and say that she only had daughters because the Viet Cong was, were looking for boys and men to go fight against the uh, Americans. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, so, and so they, then at some point they came here, obviously. Yeah. I'm told like they faced um, worries of there being bombs. Like anytime they heard an airplane, they dug out a, well, they had a hole dug out uh, and then they just go hide in that hole, like in a Man. dirt hole and then like cover themselves with like leaves and sticks and stuff. Man. So, yeah, eventually they uh, they got papers like one of my aunts or two of my aunts. Actually, they worked together to like get everyone the right the proper paper right, paperwork. Right. Um, and then they went on an airplane to America. So it's interesting. They're not, they're like fresh off the boat, but just in terms, just in the terms, not really in the, the modality they went by airplane. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think for but most yeah. people, the term fresh off the boat is now just a colloquialism more, more so than actually coming <laughs> yeah. off of a, a literal uh, ship. Right. But it, it's interesting because <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we're, my grandparents, uh, uh, or at least my, my father's side, came to came to the US to escape the pogroms in in Russia. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting mm-hmm. we we being people that were born here, we're able to, you know, uh wax philosophical about the the, you know, the uh consequences of statism or communism or, or any of these things and yet, you know, from from our relative comfort, you know, sitting here on on, you know, on uh on the internet doing this and mm-hmm. uh you know, your grandparents and great-grandparents really like experienced the uh the uh, violence the, the actual yeah, yeah the final conclusion of of what mm-hmm. happens when these you know these ideologies come up against each other so um so yeah. I, out of curiosity so you're... although i will say we do it's just more insidious that's what i mean yeah like, i don't like looking at my paycheck and i i know that if i were to not pay my taxes that yeah i would be oh targeted. it would be every bit as violent exactly yeah i mean <laughs> it, it would take longer they'd send yeah. letters first and and all of that but yeah no it's it's it, and i and i tell people that i say you're not free you're just so conditioned and 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 i say you meaning me as well and I, 
we're so conditioned to just accept this because they have overwhelming force against us that we mm-hmm. don't fight back. And so they're yeah. able to do it in this much more nicey, nice way of saying, oh, just a reminder, because I, I, I've always been right. self-employed, yeah. so it's it, it's not taken out of my taxes. They send me letters and, you know, just a reminder that, they, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, okay. And, and even, uh, I think the IRS has a customer service department too. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're actually very nice. Like when you call them, they're very nice. And, and it's, you know, it, right, it's, it's just regular people working at the It's just <laughs> the regular IRS people. Customer. It's like they say about the cops. They just want to get home to their families, right? Like they just, you know, they're just going and they're just doing their jobs and they just want to get home to their families. And, uh, and I'm not even mad at them, but it's the whole, it's, it, you know, it is. Well, I am at some. And, yeah, I agree with you. Most of them just want to go home, but it doesn't excuse their behavior. No, it doesn't excuse what they've chosen to do with their lives. But it's yeah. it is you know it's 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 you know it's an insidious thing. So yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Now, are your parents, grandparents, are you know mother, grandmother, are they like distrustful of gen- of of government in general, or you know because it's so the you know almost night and day the difference in in what they experience there versus here are they just really happy about the u.s government or, or how does that work yeah they're definitely distrustful they don't have the philosophical articulation of the, right. like they're not going to say oh i'm a capitalist or right 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 but they um i grew up you know learning that they're like oh don't call the police if you know there's a dispute at home like we can handle it like Basically, they don't trust the police because they they even told me they're like, oh, usually the police are just here to like arrest somebody. They're not really here to like resolve disputes in a peaceful way. Well, they're not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Um, my I've heard my mom and my aunts be really angry about their property taxes, and like my mom being like, "What the heck? They just I work so." She says, goddamn hard. She's like, I work so goddamn hard and they just take my money and they're not doing anything. Right. Or my aunt, she said this something similar where uh, she just sold a house and the state took like oh, yeah. 250000 just for the property, t- like, or not property taxes, just some sort of tax. Right. The and capital gains tax. So yeah. Angry because she had that home like since I can remember, since right. I was born. Like, right. And since she could finally sell it they took 250,000 they didn't do anything they, they didn't did provide any it. value nope so yeah i see that sentiment of distrust but i also see the mentality that they can't do anything about it like i like i talked to my mom about the nature of taxes and like she agrees with me it's right. theft but she goes but what can you do You're like what can you do which is true. I mean, it's yeah. not a that's not a philosophical argument, but it's also true, right? Like, what can you do? Like, we're sitting here talking about this and hopefully, hopefully, spreading that message. But there's mm-hmm. not short of going up against and you know in a in a, you know and and essentially either getting caged or dying. There's not really anything we can do, and that doesn't fix it anyway because they'll still take all your stuff. So you know, mm-hmm. so it's 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 a yeah. tough one. But you're they're right. What can you do? Um, yeah. But exactly. what you can do is what you've been doing, which is uh, growing quite a, a brand for yourself and uh, and and building a, quite a following on on social media. What do you think have been the the, the you know your biggest steps to getting successful? And I, I am asking this as someone that's trying to grow my brand as well. So this isn't just <laughs> an abstract question. I'm just cur- I'm curious yeah. like what you've actually done. Yeah, I oh I will say to add on what you're saying, like uh, the goal with what I'm doing is trying to change minds. Right. And. That's really what it takes is when the people who are governed 
no longer consent. And as an individual, it's hard to just be like, okay, I have nobody to talk to and I'm just going to go ahead and stop paying taxes. And (laughs) if you get targeted, like, you know, and threatened, like you don't have other people who agree that you shouldn't be taken away. Right, right, right. You probably even have like with my mom, her neighbors just be like, oh, well, she didn't pay her taxes. She didn't pay her taxes. Like they wouldn't take up arms and be like, this is fucked up. You're kidnapping somebody, you know, like. Right, right, right. Part of it is just changing minds and the culture, which we're going up against decades of indoctrination uh, from the state all around the world, different governments, you know. Um, So, yeah, anyway, back to your question. Um, I think that uh, one of the big things that have helped has been being able to be featured on other existing big liberty pages. Um, Mm. Like Anarchy Ball has been a great help. Right. I don't know if you know Anarchy Ball. Like, oh, yeah. They were taken over by uh, <laughs> some... I don't know what it is. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I feel so bad. I'm just like, why did you let this happen? It was... Yeah, anyway. You go on and it's all drama. clickbait now. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I know. That. I know. It's like, this has nothing to do with Anarchy or Balls. Like, what is... I like, what? Yeah. No, I mean, I now they are starting to put more tasteless gentleman-like memes. But yeah, definitely not an- about Anarchy at all. <laughs> right, Yeah. But uh, anyway, so they're taking over, but they started their own new page. But right, right. anyway, before that ever happened, I got to post a lot of my memes on their page and share uh, my videos and stuff. And they already had like, like 80, 90,000 when I first started with them and then eventually mm. went over 100,000. So I was leveraging their success and their reach already. So that was one um, page that helped me a lot to grow. Um uh, what else? Oh, being on being libertarian, they had oh, yeah. like yeah, four hundred thousand when I had my taxation stuff video uploaded to their page. Mm-hmm. That went so viral. I think it's over four million now, which wow. is amazing because that's, that's over insane. four million who yeah. hear taxation theft. Yep. And I don't mind the triggered comments because it just means someone's actually thinking about it. Like people yeah. are thinking about it. So I was like, cool. Um, so that boosted like that drew like. I think it was like over 10,000 just new people to my page at that time. That was like two years ago, I think. Nice. Um, yeah. So, you know, just leveraging the existing success of others. And I hope that, you know, me sharing uh, your video and our interview will help you too. That's what I'm thinking much. the whole, the whole time you're talking <laughs> about like, leverage more <laughs> popular people. Check. philosophers here i know uh yeah and then two more notable ones was jeff berwick i went on anarchist that was the first like really big libertarian podcast i was on okay um and then most recently uh tom woods Woods podcast so i had a lot of people reach out to me or comment on my videos or memes and say oh wow i found you through jeff berwick or tom woods so you know, just uh, reaching out to fellow content creators um, who are doing well. Uh, maybe you should have Carrie Wedler, by the way. She's been doing this. I don't know if you have. Have you interviewed Carrie Wedler? No, no, no. You're only my. Oh, okay. This is still relatively new. You are my twentieth guest. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And my we're first four or five guests were like my friends. So, <laughs> so, so. Hey, that's uh, how it starts. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Carrie Wedler. Yeah. Yeah, you should look her up. She's, gosh, she's been an activist for so long. Like, okay, 
I don't, I don't know, like at least six years. I could be wrong. But like she, um, I think she started making videos when Ron Paul ran for office. In oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I might be getting dates wrong. Anyway, but yeah, she's cool and she has a pretty big following. I think on Facebook she has like two over 200,000 or something like that. And she's a very principled voluntarist. Um, and she's very witty and smart. So she'd be a fun guest to have. Cool. And then maybe that could help, you know, give you more publicity as well. So cool, yeah. cool. So that has been helpful. And then another thing I would say that has led to just more followers and likes or just a, like reach has been um, certain viral videos I've had. Mm -hmm. The taxation stuff was one, but I wonder if that was because it was posted on being libertarian. I don't know. Right. Um, the other uh, videos that have gone the most viral for me have been things about guns. So I had one where like, <laughs> you know, I think actually my first video was gun control is violence. And mm. then that went pretty far and then like drew a lot, like thousands of new followers in the beginning. And then since then, um, I had another one, which was like three gun control myths debunked. Yeah, I, yeah I've um, seen that one. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and it and I released it at uh, I think it was when there was that Las Vegas shooting uh, that happened. So it's in the news cycle, you know, people talking about gun control and basically kind of playing off current events. That's a big help for reach and and reaching people beyond, you know, the libertarian circles. Right, so, because yeah. if so you know. focus on if you focus solely on just philosophy as an abstract thing you're going to get people like me because we're really into that yeah i have to, i have to stop i'm sorry this is just okay <laughs> <laughs> like no one will you no one else will that. notice it it's just like it just enough just and i'm like as you're tired i'm looking i'm like this thing is tilted this thing's tilted and like no one will notice that i just did that so i want to know what your mbti is anyway keep going Oh my! Oh, um, do you know this from Irish? Uh, uh, OCDD. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, don't know. I think I'm the whatever the uh, the debater is. I forget because like I did the oh. one where it then says what you're like. I don't remember the the four letters, but it said the ENTP? debater. Yeah, I that's mean, the debater. Yeah, ENTP. Probably, probably. So are you extrovert, extroverted, big picture thinking, a logical, linear? Th thinker like you base your beliefs off logic and reason and then you yes, more go with the true. flow you kind of like go with the flow you don't really like a strict schedule oh that's definitely true okay yeah, yeah so right. i guess that is me i'm an entp that's i will go okay. with that I'm, I, I like that better than when people ask my astrology sign i'm like i'm not 100 percent certain oh but i don't really <laughs> care um but um i so i'm totally off i i uh Oh yeah, I got you off your topic. That's okay. Uh, no, 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 that's okay. Um, you were talking about guns. I remember that. Guns. And oh yeah, I... current events. So covering oh, current events. Yeah. Yes. So. Oh right, philosophy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, philosophy. Yeah. So if we if we just talk about philosophy as like this kind of abstract idea, mm -hmm. you'll get people like me because that's what we're into. We're into philosophy because I'm an ENTP. Um, but, uh, uh, but you know, for the vast majority of people, they're thinking more, they don't 
think about ideas as much as, as they do about people or events. And so mm-hmm. it sounds mm-hmm. like if you kind of leverage those things and, yeah. uh, and find as popular as an outlet as you can find to, to talk about that, then you're going to, you know, grow your reach exponentially doing that. Oh, exactly. I mean, like for the example we were talking about, Stefan, when he covered Trump, people were so attracted to his personality um, that they would look, you know, just be curious about what Stefan would say about right, Trump, right, right. even though they didn't even know who Stefan was. Um, yeah, so I definitely can see that play out in the videos I post. Like if I post the three fundamental principles of volunteerism, <laughs> I'll get like... 5,000 views. Which is still like respectable, right? But yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And then compare that to the gun control one that I posted, especially in the uh, during when um, gun control debate was in the news cycle. That right, went right, to, right. I think it's over 2 million now, if I'm not mistaken, at least. And that's so it's a perennial like, what one, What a too. drastic difference. Yeah. Yeah. Perennial? Yeah. Perennial. Yeah, it's perennial. It's, uh, so anytime gun control comes up, that's a video people can refer to. Um, you know, oh. you didn't just make it specifically for that. That that's that'll live on uh, for forever. Yeah, exactly. And in that, I cover the principles. So it's great, you know, for your guys's podcast. Um, any current events would probably help. Like anything huge, um, you know, you can cover that. But then seed in the principles and. And that's you know, what we so yeah. that's what we do on the main show on the muddied waters of freedom. We we talk yeah. about the events and how they they do that. I think the one thing we need to be doing um, is we do these incredibly long you know shows, right? So and they're they're fairly popular, but you know I know when I'm looking at someone else's hour and a half long show, I gotta really like them to to fully tune. Oh into yeah, it. You I know, I'm I, with you there. Exactly. And so I, I think that. <laughs> And there's a there's a place for that, but I do think we need to start doing like snippets from our shows, and also yes. and also you know like videos that are just like like the videos you do that are just you know short five minutes or less three minute videos. That, Stephen you know, Crowder, have you heard of Stephen Crowder? Yeah. Oh yeah, Stephen Crowder. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. I mean, his it is a show. Like they have right. their long show, and if you subscribe to his website, join the Mug Club or whatever, then you get right. access to the full show. But um, they always take snippets and then they, they, you know, create some sort of clickbaity title, like Sank Ungar is a fucking idiot or something. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, or I, you know, obviously they didn't say that, but you know, something like that. Steven owns audience. Snowflake Lib. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, they do that or like, you know, uh, you know, why gun control is wrong or something. I can't remember. Right. Exactly. Right. But yes, and it'll only be like 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes at the most. Right. So yeah, that's good. And um, that will help someone just have the attention span to just be like, to okay, it's only 10, bit. 15. Yeah. Right, Versus right. I think there's a psychology. I, I, I've at least noticed it in myself where um, if I open a video and I see that it's like more than 10 minutes, I'll be like, eh. Do I, I do really want? Yeah, I okay, I maybe yeah. Yeah. So, but when it's under ten, I'm like, okay, I can you know spend the time to do this, and right. the shorter the better, almost you know. That's yeah, why I, I know my videos. Know. But it's hard when you're doing a podcast where it's conversational. How do you? How do you make it be twenty like minutes a... without doing it like how they do on the the news shows where I just keep interrupting you every ten seconds to make it a you know a three minute thing. 
and 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 it's everyone you know has to drink a bunch of coffee beforehand and what do you think well I, i'm really pissed off about it well let me stop you there because like i mean and i don't want to do that i want it to be like a conversational thing but like yeah. for example i interviewed crowder a, can do the bite-sized sound bites because it's just him talking usually right exactly like rant for a little bit right but yeah yeah like you know well the, one of his most popular things is a picture of him with a cup of coffee and it says there are two genders there are only two genders change my mind and that became like you know a viral meme where everyone changed the whatever the topic was and still had to change my mind no one even knows yeah. who steven crowder is you know that are that's sharing it and it's you know got right. you know, ten, tens of millions of shares so, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. so yeah so that's that's right. definitely a good point um mm-hmm. in fact one of the things you've been posting about is uh i think you're on day 270 something or 260 something of the 365 days of posting stories about defensive uh, gun use where you uh, post stories about people that have, you know, the good guy with a gun stories where they've yeah. defended themselves with a gun. What what gave you the idea to do that? Um, just seeing like all the rhetoric around gun violence and people saying, oh, guns are only used for violence and we right. need to end gun violence. Like this hysteria of focusing just on the freaking weapon. And not the people. I'm like, are you serious? Uh, (laughs) Like, like imagine if they applied their logic to pens. You know, they're like, we need to ban pens because stupid people can write articles about stupid shit. I don't know. They're assault pens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or they can advocate for violence or they can use their keyboards to advocate for violence on the Internet. That's a good point. You know, it's like they're. And then on all other cases, they don't focus on the inanimate the object. They right, look, right, right. Yeah, they look at the thing that has the will, the human being. So it was annoying. And also um, seeing like people saying that most often guns, like gun owners, like anyone who has a gun will use it for, for violence. So I wanted to really debunk that. Um, I did it in the memes, but I thought posting stories. The actual videos, stories, yeah. Yeah, like every day, like just recent things that happen may help. So, well, um, and the and the fact that there's so many stories that you can easily just post one a day, yeah, uh, I think it's pretty all, powerful. Yeah, there's a I go to um, there's a subreddit called this defensive gun store DGU stories, I think, or maybe it's just DGU. Um, yeah. But anyway, like people are posting things every day of local stories, um, and if you notice, like it's not these stories are not covered on like cnn no 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 msnbc like things like that fox news will cover some of it sometimes uh but it's always on the very local to the city like news channels some small thing and there's you know not much visibility anyway but it's posted and things happen every day (laughs) and it's it's not going to get national coverage because that doesn't meet the the narrative of you know right guns aren't bad there are people that are bad that, that use them for bad putting aside exactly. the fact that we know that end gun violence means use massive amounts of gun violence to stop yes, to exactly. centralize the ability to use gun violence um right. but um yeah no i live in the in the myrtle beach area in south carolina very pro-gun area you mm. turn on the news and they'll and often we'll have a story about you know someone broke into a house and they got shot dead and i picture everyone's at home and they go yeah. Good. And they shrug and, and move on to the next thing. Like, you know, but we're a very pro gun area. I don't think, for example, in, in certain metro areas, they're getting those kinds of stories and even realize that, no, the gun isn't the problem. Um, you know, but yeah. So 
Yeah, I actually, uh, so I come from Washington and um, recently they had an assault weapons ban, which was basically just semi-automatic rifles that look like the AR-15. <laughs> so, which was like crazy that they did that. Um, so like your twenty-two long rifle now is, 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 is illegal. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, but um, I remember growing up, and of course this is anecdotal, so I recognize that. But um, just looking at the news and the shows that were up, it was like very pro-cop. Or if there was any crime that happened, there was never a indication that someone defended themselves. It would always be like a story that ended in tragedy, and like the police were called or something. But right, never right, right. Hearing someone defended themselves successfully, like never hear that or I didn't hear that growing up either so um yeah I don't know if that's just you know the local news stations uh for a specific city and it depend varies on the culture of right of course city. of course and, Probably, and your, per- your perception yeah. of how it how it played out or whatever too as well it's it's yeah. interesting in fictional stories the police are often the the denouement of the story, right? So you have the climax of, you know, the people fighting or whatever. And then the police, you know, the sirens are what you hear when the, you know, the bad parts happen and now the police have come in. And I wonder how much that is conditioning of like, it's okay, the police are here now. Like, you know, like, like there's this sort of like, everything's going to be okay now that we hear sirens and the, you know, the, 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 the more gentle music comes on. It's like, the police are here now it's going to get more dangerous but but in i the think story, that's definitely not. part of the conditioning oh, yeah. like just yeah. you know they don't even need to say it directly just yeah. the like you said the sirens coming the, sirens the peaceful music the uh in even in the dgu stories i post the main image is usually like a cop car yep like even though the person defending themselves was again like was the actual story a freaking cop who came yeah. after the fact <laughs> yeah know? What I like about oh. the and it it makes a lot of conservatives and pro cop people angry is that that whole narrative is being debunked by people with their cameras on their phones showing this is what we experience with the police every day and uh, and so they're 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 getting you know it, it's kind of shaking that that narrative and it's making people uncomfortable but it's because they're actually seeing no this is what this is what the consequence often is of, of the police getting involved because they're not there to make it better. They're there to use whatever level of violence is necessary to bring everyone within earshot or eyeshot of, into compliance with whatever laws that cop can remember in that moment. And that's the best yeah. case scenario. That's mm-hmm. if the cop's not crooked. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I do. I love all the cop block and police, the oh, yeah. police pages that have sprouted up. Uh, it's great to just yeah. expose the nature of policing. Yeah, Not to say like all cops are evil or bad, like we were saying earlier. It's that the nature of policing is what the issue is. The fact yeah. that they're agents of the state and their incentives aren't predicated on, you know, getting customers and making them happy. Right. Uh, they're paid through coercion and they'll get money no matter what. And if they, if one guy is is actually corrupt and he kills somebody, he can get, you know, two weeks vacation and then come back <laughs> and that gives time for the for the police union to rally for his cause and to get all the pro police people to say well what, what what happened before that video of him shooting the guy 15 times and uh yeah. and and the you know then they go well we determined that he complied with all you know uh, what what's the word uh he uh uh Followed the the pop, proper regulation or whatever they they the, pro, the proper oh, protocol. Oh, the protocol. The uh-huh. protocol. Okay, yeah. great. He followed the protocol. Then there's something wrong with the protocol. I, right. I you know it's it's like I tell people um, there are two ways you can get services, um, any service, protection, 
common defense, food, healthcare, roads, mm-hmm. whatever, internet service, whatever. One is through competing providers in a, in a, in a market where they're going to basically trip over each other to try to provide you with the best value for service, value for your money so that they get your money instead of their competitor. The other way you can get it is through a monopoly that gets your money regardless. So they may or may not even provide you with the service because they're going to get your money anyway. They're the only business in town. Yeah, you point out the incentives. Right, exactly. It's the incentive. Mm -hmm. Government is not only a monopoly, they're a violent monopoly that's financed by theft and uh, enforced with uh, violence and threats of violence. Uh, you know, I, I have so many people tell me, well, you know, you're saying all this, but you know, if you, if you tried to stop the government, they'd kill you. And I say, that's an argument in favor of what I'm saying. That's, you know, that your only response is they'll murder me. I know that that's part of what's (laughs) wrong with this. Like, so, so, Mm -hmm. um, and they're so conditioned into thinking that's a good idea because the state is kind of this, this toxic codependent relationship, uh, played out on a on a massive scale all the way to the point where if you try to leave they'll kill you um and so i had a point yeah. go, go ahead i'll let you people... talk because i had a point and couldn't remember it so go ahead. oh okay if you remember feel free to interject. yeah go ahead it, it made me think of like everyone uh most people like the thin blue line people for example yeah. or the people who look up to politicians people who look up to their oppressors basically yeah um they have like Stockholm syndrome because I think everyone, even the thin blue line people, even like the, the most major statists, um, not, you know, excluding the actual politicians, people who are in right. power, like the sheep who are statists, um, they all recognize all, like at least subconsciously the inherent violence and they do feel fear thinking of, you know, not paying taxes like they they almost get that subconsciously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. But I don't know what it is. It's like they have cognitive dissonance. They excuse the violence and they say, you know, oh, taxes are being taken out. I actually consent to this because it's, you know, paying for schools and I'm helping people. And right, it's right, like right. a way to justify it versus um, stopping and analyzing, whoa, why do I feel this fear? And what is that about? You know what I mean? Like right. people just kind of go along with their day and try to. Uh, find the easiest route in their minds yeah, to well, justify yeah, how they it, feel. It's every logical fallacy at once. It's the appeal to authority. It's the appeal to popularity. Well, every, everyone else thinks we need a government and, you know, government's in charge, so we must listen to them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's ad hominem against anyone who actually is telling you things that you innately know to be true. And it's definitely a conditioning thing. That was my mm-hmm. point, by the way. I did find out oh, my okay. point while while, we, while I was listening to you. I, I figured out my point, which is that one of the things that you talk about is that all of this starts as a child. And we, we kind of touched mm-hmm. on that, you know, earlier, that it starts as a child, that you're 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 so conditioned that state equals good that yes. you're able later to use terms like necessary evil, which would yeah, never right. be applied in any other scenario. But yeah, right. it's so ingrained that, well, this is good. So it, it, it ha- yeah, it's evil, but it's necessary. We have to have one. Why? Well, we yeah. do. Um, exactly. And so, so you talk about, you know, the unschooling and, and, you know, homeschooling methods and, and peaceful parenting. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on how starting with your child, you know, as a child and, and, you know, how that can really help to, you know, create the more open and, and, and set free society that we want. Mm, yeah, so um, 
I think, you know, statism or the belief in it, it all starts in, in childhood. Right. And I mean, it makes sense because everyone's worldview was formed in their childhoods, mostly like their their most deepest worldviews that if challenged, like they would have an emotional like attachment to, you know, the conclusion of, you know, like everyone develops certain ways of viewing humanity and the nature of reality in their childhoods. Mm. Um, And so, you know, statism is just one of the more prolific ones that most people have experienced is the propaganda for statism and the indoctrination. Um, Indoctrination would occur in public schools or through parents as well um, at home um, friends, local communities. And then the propaganda is in like the media and for children, there's a lot of propaganda for statism in movies. Uh, Disney being a big part of that, you know, like you have all these princess movies that, uh, put on a pedestal being a royalty and that it's Mm. good and just to be, um, uh, you know, living off of, everyone else everyone else who in those movies yeah. are thrilled about it they right. love they this love pro- it They're thank like, you oh, for taking my money my yeah. princess my king like right, right, right. Oh, bow down even yeah, though yeah, yeah. the king and queen they provide nothing of value you know so well except for they say oh i'll protect you i'm the i'm gonna represent all of us that's like right. it's just like the states another right. thing. and they yeah. have beautiful yeah. singing voices as well in the, in the <laughs> Right, exactly. And they're just like these beautiful people. Right, they're just gorgeous people <laughs> with great, which never play. I've yet to see And they're benevolent. That's they're very the benevolent. Thing. They're not, they don't look a thing like the royal family in the UK, for instance, who I don't think can sing and are not terribly attractive. Um, but, but people are thinking <laughs> yeah. that in their heads. So that's funny. Uh-huh, right. So that's a, that's a deep conditioning and it just yeah. all happens subconsciously, you know. Um, it, and it's happening during a time where a human being has the least discernment and is the most, um, what's the word? Impressionable. Right. You know, cause they don't have a framework for determining falsehoods from truth. They don't, they, that needs to be taught. Right. Um, and oftentimes that, especially in public school, that desire to develop a methodology for determining the truth in a consistent way is crushed uh, because in public schools, there's a focus on just memorization, rote memorization, pleasing the teacher, not questioning the teacher's information. And if you do, you're, you know, you're not respecting their experience as a teacher. Your authority, right, right, right. You should go to, you should now be detained on the weekends stuff like that. So um, yeah, kids from a very early age or people from a very early age were uh, forcibly, you know, um, uh, like conditioned to like worship mandatory authority. Uh, Teachers being one of them, because, you know, uh, you, you as a kid, you, if you go to public school, you're at the will of your parents and the school. And oftentimes uh, a lot of parents see public schools as a place for babysitting. And they're like, well, I'll just drop my kids off. And right, I trust right, the right. teachers. They themselves were indoctrinated in public schools. So they're just like, oh, yeah, public school's great. You know, these teachers can teach my child better than I can. Plus, I can make more money by going to work. 
and both parents have to work now because of inflation. Inflation <laughs> and, and taxation, reserve. exactly. Yep, yep. Yeah, so it like creates this incentive for parents to just like, oh, I don't have the money, so let's just drop them off here. And they also don't have the knowledge of the nature of public school either. So kids are corralled into these uh, buildings. You know, they're forced to learn certain things. They don't get freedom to choose and uh, dive deep into whatever curiosity they have. You know, if, if it's math class time, you're told to put away that book. You know, you you must listen to the teacher for this hour of time. And it's when the bell rings, time, right, right. Yeah. And when the bell rings, you need to change gears quickly and shuffle to your next class and make sure you focus. And I got in trouble a lot in public school, like despite being, you know, getting a press, a precious, a press, uh, <laughs> like I really want to a press. Um, and being you like, you said that, not me, but yes, you, I did. And, did say <laughs> um, and then, and despite like really wanting my teachers, like, uh, validation, um, I would get in trouble a lot just for talking. Like I, I just, I love talking. I'm an extrovert too. And I love talking to my classmates, like telling jokes or anything like that. And I'd always be told to like, shut up and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> I never got the, I mean, ultimately I, I, I got it, but I never, until you said it, the whole, you're being detained thing. Um, you're being detained just by being there at the school for the first, uh, for the most part. It's, it, there's a lot yeah, of you parallels to there's a lot of parallels to prison. There, the bells and the bell means do yeah. this and go to that. It, oh yeah, prisons just like that. They have yeah. bells for like oh lunchtime, time to go to lunch. You you're not free to go to the fucking cafeteria when you want to get food because you're hungry. You're hungry. You exactly. have to or, raise your hand to go to the bathroom and hold your pee or poop <laughs> if you know the teacher's like oh I'm in the middle of a lecture. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to tell you something. Well, I have to poop really bad. Well, you have to hold it. You're being detained from pooping. And and but I, I never had gotten that that there were times I would get in trouble. My parents would come in because I was the spoiled Jew kid who my parents would come in and fight on my side. But um, but they you know, my dad would come in and, and explain how I was a great kid and I clearly did nothing wrong. And if I if he was if they didn't agree with him, I'd get punished. and There was nothing he could do about it. And I'd never wow. really made that connection that it was like your parents like at are that not point, in the school owned you. Yeah, not even your not even your parents had a say. And my dad would walk away angry, but he didn't fight it because what are you going to do? He'll end up in jail. Like you know, so it it I yeah. I really right. I mean if I had fleshed it out, I would have gotten there. But you're right. It's it's truly like you're being detained, and and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it short of your your parents, which they at times did pulling me out and saying no we'll just we'll just school them ourselves which right. thankfully in this state we're allowed to do some some i believe that you're actually not allowed to do that or they mm -hmm. put such onerous and cps can be called because it's like seen as if you don't have your children enrolled in a public school it can be seen as like abuse abuse or neglect yeah. right <laughs> right so it it basically it's translating the idea at an early age that you don't own yourself yeah and that can happen outside the public school too. That's why I focus also on peaceful parenting. Right. And that's what I was going to ask you about. So, because parents can be just as authoritarian. Oh, know, easily. And, vi and violent. Like most, yeah, and schools violent. Now, most yeah. schools now don't actually use corporal punishment, right? But most parents, or at least a good number of parents, they do, do with the detentions, but they don't do the paddle. They don't actually anymore. physically hit them. I mean, yeah, it's corporal yeah. punishment, but it's not like physical violence unless they right. bring the police in. So, so whereas with, with a lot of parents, yeah. you could just like mouth off and get hit. 
Um, so, so talk yeah. to me about that. Cause I was someone who, when I first heard peaceful parenting, my parents, I, I can count on one hand, the number of times I was spanked. So I, I, I didn't come from one of these. Well, I, I got the, the brake speed off me and I just turned out fine, but I just sort of naturally bristled at like, when I first heard it, I'm like, well, sometimes you may have to do it. And it was like, well, why? And I'm like, cause you do. And, 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 but and, why? Yeah, but why? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I turned out fine. And compared I'm, to what? And compared to what? Exactly. Yes. The, the, the consummate economist. Right. Um, but, uh, so talk to me about that because a lot of people bristle at that, but if you're, well, I'll let you say it. Talk to me about it. Oh, uh, <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, that's a lot. But, uh, I mean, Violence starts in childhood and it can come from the public schooling system and like parents who are just neglectful. Like the parents don't even have to be physically abusive. Like in my case, I wasn't physically abused. My mom said she spanked me once when I was like a baby. Right. Which side note, I'm like, I wasn't capable of reason why you spanked me. So I think it was like she had an emotional outburst. I mean, yeah, it's like a frustrated, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, ah, I don't know what to do. Um, so right. I don't remember that, but right. more so I was neglected in my childhood, didn't really have much support, emotional support. I had a lot of financial support. Right. Uh, my parents, my mom, um, yeah, my parents just worked really hard, you know, and usually if I needed anything like, oh, I wanted to, to try a computer, like they were really good about that and figuring out a way to get me resources economically. Right. Uh, but like in terms of like emotional support and validation, um, that wasn't there and interactions were usually full of like shame, like, you know, sh um, like shamed for what I thought, shamed for crying, like told like, oh, you should stop crying. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, that's being invalidated for your emotional state, right. um, you know, so. And, and it varies like between people. Some people got the abuse mainly from public school, like the direct one, whether through like peers, you know, bullies or like teachers who are bullies in the administration or bullies. Um, and then some got it directly from their parents and then some got both. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is sad. Yeah. Um, but I focus on it uh, because I think that's just where that's how I became an anarchist. I like like I said, I discovered Stefan Molyneux and I was drawn in not because of I was curious about economics or uh, anarchy. I was curious about relationships and my childhood and understanding myself and who I am and why I had the dysfunctions that I did at that time. Um, that's what I was drawn in for. And when I started connecting with myself as a child and reliving or like re, uh, uh, processing the traumas that I endured. Right. Uh, like for example, um, my dad left when I was seven years old mm -hmm. and he was okay. in my life prior to that. And he was like, you know, I loved him. <laughs> he was my dad. Right, and yeah, uh, the trauma of being abandoned was mm -hmm. so big for me, but I never processed that and articulate. I'd never had gone to counseling before. And it makes sense. Nobody in my family processed their own childhood traumas anyway. Right. So I'm just kind of like trying to live. I'm like reacting to stimuli, you know, <laughs> just trying to process the world, but not having a, a, a framework to do that from not having a, you know, I didn't base, I, I was very logical, but I wasn't a philosopher. Like I didn't, right 
you know, I thought I was coming to the truth. Um, and sometimes like, and it was usually off of evidence, but not everything I thought and did was based off of, you know, the truth. Like I would believe that, you know, oh, it's okay for me to hit my brothers and sisters because they were being, you know, so rowdy and they were right. annoying me. Like right. that is something that's not philosophical. That's like my excuse. And so for like personal uh, beliefs, I didn't analyze them under the microscope of, you know, the scientific methodology. Right. right, um, right. So, yeah. So when I first started analyzing and processing and I just remembered the times where my consent was violated uh, when I was like pushed around by people at school or my right. siblings right. <laughs> or like made fun of, um, you know, had my stuff taken away. Like I realized and finally connected with that pain of having my will overruled by somebody else, having my consent overruled as well. Um, that's when I became like an anarchist, like when I realized that and I connected, you know, and I learned what the nature of the state was, I realized I, you know, I'm definitely an anarchist. I don't know how I'll work in an anarchy society, but I know that's where I want to go. From an ethical and, standpoint, right, right. Yeah, right. because I know that's the right thing to do because I don't want to see other human beings suffer like I did. And that's part of my drive for being a peaceful parent is because I know so well what it's like to be a child trying to process the world around you, how scary it can feel. Oh, yeah. And how your parents, like, because, you know, they gave birth to you, they're the ones who are responsible for being like your rock and foundation and helping you to process things, but in a safe manner, you know, like in a, in a way where you're, you're still, you're like getting love, but you're, you can learn things and you're not in danger. Right. They're um, still protecting you. They're still your parents. They're not your buddies, but they, they're still your parents. And they still yeah. are. They're also I had uh, your friend uh, Jack Lloyd on and mm -hmm. I was still not 100 percent on peaceful parenting. So I was sort of not grilling him, but asking him some I'm like, OK, so does that mean if your kid is about to touch the hot stove, you just let them because they've got to learn? Or He's like, no, because that's your property. And you could say no. You know, you don't say, no, this is my property, but you because it's your property, you can stop this other person from touching it and then explain why you're stopping them from touching it. That if you touch that, it can hurt you because it's hot and, and everything else. So yeah, so you can pull them away. Right. You can exactly. still because I was like, I thought peaceful parenting meant, you know, you can't even physically stop your child from doing something that was going to hurt them. And, and he was like, no, oh, you can, no, you can still use your hands to stop someone from doing something. But right. and and. and but you're 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 more so guiding and protecting than mm -hmm. using just violent force or, or right. you know abusive you know uh, uh you know verbally abusive force or neglectful neglect is a form of force as well that mm -hmm. you know that you're withholding yourself to to as a, a form of force to enforce uh compliant compulsive yeah. behaviors as opposed to actually teaching them how to think for themselves and why they should want to do this and why they should right, want to do exactly. that and, and not and do that. So it requires a philosophical parent because kids are going to ask why, first of all, that's exactly. one thing. Right. And that's, that's one of the insidious abuses too. Right. And how people, uh, children get um, scared to develop like a framework of philosophy because they get, get shamed with all these like platitudes like oh you you know if you don't read the bible like i'm gonna ground you or whatever or 
you know, you're just a child. You should just respect your elders. Like your opinion doesn't matter. Yep, yep, yep. You know, like I got that. And um, uh, yeah, like I think the parents need to be uh, philosophically capable. They need to base their own beliefs off reason and evidence. And they also need to be healed from their childhoods because things will get emotionally difficult uh, with children, you know, like children, like I had my niece, like, cause they're just trying to process their own emotions. It's like they'll have like an emotional outburst. They don't even know how to process no idea what the, yeah. how they're, yeah. you know, their little body overwhelming with stress and fear. Like, um, and uh, you know, that can be, for someone who hasn't processed their own traumas, that can be really triggering <laughs> and cause somebody to be like stressed themselves. And that's why I think spanking comes from, uh, you know, emotional outbursts and the uh, inability for someone to handle their emotions. Um, and a feeling so, of inferiority, yeah. I would think, because I think sometimes I've seen it play out where a parent is asked why they don't know why. And that makes it really angry. And it, it, this all happens in split seconds, but you know, they're saying something and the kid's saying why, and rather than examine that in front of the kid, they're not going to, you know, cede a bit of authority to this kid. So instead right. they're just going to either say something, you know, well, cause I said so, right. or exactly. if, if they're abusive, they're actually physically abusive. Yeah. Like you some know, have a psychology of shame too. So yeah. when a child like, you know, challenges you, you they can feel, feel shame some from it. shame because yeah. you're like, what I I am right, and then especially if they can't say a good reason, then they may come back as being more punitive and say, "Well, just respect me. I'm uncomfortable right, right. actually analyzing. I don't." And then they're not really saying this. They're not saying that, but that is what. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really under know why myself. Yeah. So just believe me, I'm your elder. Like yeah. I think. Um, stop being off- a three. Stop being a three year old that's making me experience cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, I think oftentimes spanking, you know, hitting, uh, shame, these are all symptoms of a lack of emotional maturity. Um, I had a therapist that I used to go to. I don't go to therapy anymore. But during that time where I was like, I became an anarchist and stuff, I did Mm -hmm. a lot of self-work. I had at least two years of like journaling and I saw a couple uh, therapists. Um, And one of them would say like, he would talk about his own Uh, uh, parenting and how he certain times he raised his daughters and like one time he came into a room of his daughters were playing and like stuff was everywhere toys were everywhere right and he said he felt so angry and he started yelling at them like clean it up and it and then he stopped and he was like whoa he's like i've reached the end of my emotional maturity i'll be right back and his daughters were like oh dad's kind of crazy like but (laughs) But I mean, oh, he was, okay. yeah, he loves that story. But it was like um, he had a moment of humility to say that, whoa, I feel really stressed and uncomfortable with the toys everywhere, but I'm lashing out at my child. I'm making I see fear in my daughter's eyes. I'm going to stop and take a moment to process what I feel and then think through how I can communicate to them my needs, you know, and to say and that's why I promote I have a book right here nonviolent communication <laughs> because it's all about objectively talking about um objectively trying to communicate to others what you're feeling what you're experiencing what your observations are and what your needs are and what what you would like to change in order to have your needs met and so part of peaceful parenting is having that self-knowledge you need self-knowledge i mean 
self-knowledge i think is the first step to philosophy yeah yeah don't know yourself you're not going to be able to catch your own biases even if you develop the framework of philosophy even if you learn the scientific method if you don't have self-knowledge and the ability to observe when you yourself are suffering from biases and everyone will there's like i've never there's no human being that i know of or exists today that's just perfect that never suffers any biases like even me i'm well i'm the philosopher but like i'm so focused on philosophy and the framework but even i like i said earlier catch myself having all or nothing thinking or collectivizing people or you know like i catch that sometimes um you know so yeah and uh, so self-knowledge is really important to be a peaceful parent and it's really a process and that's one of the videos i want to make next is just like how do you get started on the self-knowledge journey that'll be a good Um, one yeah yeah so I was going to say, so one of my favorite shows uh, is the dog whisperer and shows like that where they, where the, 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 you know, someone comes on and helps them, you know, figure out why their dog acts like a, a nightmare. And nine times out of 10, yeah. it, it's just in, in the case of Caesar, it's just him breaking down what's wrong with them, the people and why they're, this dog is basically just reacting to how they are and that they're just right. as nippy and, and yelling and freaked out as the dog is. And the dog has no idea what's going on. And it's like, he helps them kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, deconstruct themselves a little, just enough so that now the dog mm. acts normal. And it, so, I mean, so that's like a metaphor for parenting because dogs it, are just it, perpetual children. It, exactly, like they need to have exactly. uh, children whispers. They they have like, well, oh, the child's freaking out because mom and dad are having arguments in front of them, and the child doesn't know how to process. Has no idea what's going on out. and is, is lashing yeah. out as well. Yeah. Um, So I have a question for you about something I've been studying a lot recently uh, in anarchist circles. It's actually something I first uh, started reading about in anarcho-communist circles and anarcho-mutualist circles. But um, it really, I think it can be applied to anything. I don't know if you have you heard of the the, uh, concept of prefiguration? Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so prefiguration. I had neither, so don't feel bad. Um, I uh, and I know everything. Um, but I, I it, prefiguration is a, an idea that comes out of anarchist thought, uh, which is basically that it's sort of the original answer to who will build the roads, which is us. And uh, and so the idea of prefiguration is creating alternatives to the state, creating uh, voluntary free market, um, you know, uh, mutual aid alternatives to the state for whatever you can possibly do even and sometimes especially when it's illegal. So an example... So it's like agorism. It, it basically is. It's agorism, mm-hmm. but it's done with a, a not just the, the goal of achieving it, but also the political bent of answering the question, well, who would do this? We will. And here's an example of us doing it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the idea that the state, we can, we can, in the same way that no one asks... Uh, you know, how, how, you know, uh, Uber has, has effectively replaced taxis and, and to whatever extent taxis still exist is to whatever extent the state protects them. Uh, um, Amazon is destroying the big box stores because, you know, their models better. Um, you know, th- these are all examples where just, you know, it, it was, it was all in a, in a market, but it was all prefiguration where, Someone said, this isn't working right. I'm going to create another version and, and applying that same thinking to government. So yeah, it is, it is a form of, of agorism, but it's also with the political bent of saying, we can, we can do this. And so therefore you don't need government. So it's actually pushing that political oh, so, message. So focus on the state. Focus specifically on the state. Exactly. Right. So like mm-hmm. the underground ra- railroad would be an example of, 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 of 
prefiguration that there are these people that aren't free. The state is not allowing them to be free. We're going to free them. Um, <laughs> it was totally illegal, but it was it was something that was necessary, and it helped spur the the actions that eventually led to the end of at least private private slavery. Um, now we have public uh, sector <laughs> slavery, but um, right. Another example more recently is in, I believe, Arizona. Um, they were having a, a major problem with um, the rise of uh, disease because of needle uh, uh, exchange with uh, people reusing needles. And so <laughs> they started doing, and it was against the law to give out needles, hypodermic needles that weren't uh, under prescription. And so people just started doing it anyway, giving out free, clean needle. They weren't giving drugs. They weren't helping people get drugs. Uh, some were even giving uh, uh, information about how to, you know, get off or, or get off of drugs or, you know, uh, places they could go for help and things like that. But they would give them free needles and say, look, you know, give us your dirty needles. We'll give you these clean ones. And that way you can at least stop spreading disease. And people actually yeah. went to jail for it. But it happened mm-hmm. enough so that they eventually changed the law so that now it's it's legal to, to, to give out. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. What you think about, um, you know, applying that, uh, you know, that philosophy to our lives of, of finding, actively finding, and unschooling is an example of that, but actively finding ways to show that we don't need the state. Right. And to actively disobey laws. Well, I mean, we don't we don't encourage illegal behavior on the show um, because it's illegal and that's against the law. But just the, the <laughs> idea of that, not, not that I we mean, say to do that, just the idea of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for it. Well, you said that. But okay. Yeah. It, it's just up to an individual. I don't shame anyone for not. And right. I don't, you know, I didn't. And obviously, I think it's fine when they do disobey illegal laws. Um, I don't advocate for it either because. Right, right, right. I recognize it's a it's a calculation for each individual to make. Like, can I make this risk? Right. You know, there's a lot of people who, for example, uh, uh, deal marijuana. Um, like, I come from Washington right now. It's recreational weed. Um, but before, like, I knew of, you know, people who would deal. Like, oh, shit, the NSA is watching. Oh, well. But like, you know, who, who did you who, know? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like people who were just, uh, you know, they're not they're still almost like still status. They think the state's necessary. They're still in right. that paradigm. Right. But they're 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 acting like an agorist. They're just like, oh, this is stupid that it's illegal, but I'm going to do it anyway. And they share and they trade. Um, and they made the calculation that they're going to take that risk of right. being in jail or being caught. Um you know, and so I think it's great. And uh, I I just think that it's not the only thing that w- needs to be done in order to um, end the state, really. I think really at the core is changing minds and changing how people communicate with each other um, and interact with each other and encouraging people to resolve disputes without physical or emotional violence that's what you know the book nonviolent communication is about is that right. you can not physically harm someone but you can hurt them more insidiously by shaming them making judgments on them things right. like that uh, ridiculing them right so yeah so that's think, kind of a yeah. form of prefiguration at the like the the childhood level right like that's sort of like you're disabusing them of of the the conditioning that you had and that people before you had that allowed you to be status in the first place. So that's almost in a, in a way sort of a, 
yeah. you're sort of prefigurating how you're how you're how you're raising your children or or how you're interacting with people in in society. So that that's very interesting, right? Like giving an alternative and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. And that's even legal. They can't they can't arrest you for being nice to your kid yet. So so. <laughs> Right, you must shame you your must child. You be a jerk to your You kid. must spank, right? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know about you. Before I became an anarchist, I was a huge political news junkie. Uh, I was originally a, a neocon uh, who then became oh, okay. sort of a, a paleocon slash constitutionalist, and then I, I see that amongst. Were you a Christian too? I, yeah, yeah. I'm a messianic Jew. So um, oh, okay. But, but it, I see that with Christians. Like you'll, it's like you'll sometimes get an anarchist or like libertarian Christian. Sometimes you'll get like a neocon Christian. Yeah. So I actually became a neocon. <laughs> I was sort of political. Politically, I think I was an unpolitically involved anarchist because I did whatever I wanted. Um, uh, but when uh, when nine eleven happened, I fell right into that. You know, we have to spread democracy to you know fight the terrorists who hate us because we're free. It's funny that mm -hmm. I even say that now, mm -hmm. but I would have unironically told you that and ve been very angry at anyone who disagreed. The indoctrination um, I, was strong, incredibly strong, and I learned that watching MSNBC. So it was not oh Fox News made you a Republican. MSNBC made me a Republican. Right. Way. So just for anyone out both there, both sides who, are warmongers. Both sides are warmongers. Exactly. Um, and so I sort of then sl slid into anarchy over time, challenging my own beliefs and being challenged in my own beliefs. But I still am very much a political news junkie. Now I watch it the same way I'd watch Game of Thrones or something like that. It's almost like Game of Thrones, but they can actually hurt you. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Do you right. still follow like political news, electoral, you know, who's won the election of this or, or that or anything like that? Oh, um, Mm. in my local yeah like for locally and yeah and also nationally like i was following the presidential campaign for between trump and hillary like right i was curious like because it uh it, it brings out you know the philosophy in people yeah, uh yeah. oh i mean like sorry that's an inanimate object i mean like people because they're so emotionally invested in who they want to win they're right. gonna like write online what their beliefs are right. so i en i enjoy <laughs> analyzing like what people are believing out there and sometimes i feel scared <laughs> it can be or, very like, scary annoyed. to see what the majority yeah. of people the vast majority <laughs> of people actually think right. and realizing these are just normal people these are what your friends probably or some of your friends and family are like co-workers or like yeah exactly. like, you know you don't talk about it and there's that whole cliche of like oh who's gonna bring up a political topic at thanksgiving like me. like people are averse to it but right me too but it's like <laughs> every but everyone has beliefs it's just uh most people don't have philosophies and they don't communicate nonviolently. So that's why debates will usually devolve into like name calling, ad homs, uh, be very emotional. They're oh, not yeah. vulnerable yeah. either. People aren't being like really honest about what they believe. And yeah. So oh, they um, fight themselves into corners. They, one yeah. of the most freeing things was when I was having an argument with someone and this was as an anarchist and they made a point that I didn't or they said something that I didn't have an answer to. I wasn't aware of or something like that. And it wasn't even something that would cause me to seed my whole argument. And I said, yeah, you know what? I don't really know about that. Or that's, you know, fair enough or whatever I said. And that was so freeing. That's like, you don't have to be, 
this isn't a like a, a a fencing match where someone's counting points. Like yeah. it's okay. You can say, "Hey, you know what? That was a good point." And that has been so it was like such a weight off my chest. So that, that honesty, the ability yeah. to be honest and authentic. Yeah, it was freeing too. I yeah. mean, I had a childhood where I had to suppress my honest feelings or thoughts. So, I grew up you know, lying, like learning that lying is okay in certain times or I accepted it. But uh, when I was finally able to be honest with myself and what I really thought um, and no longer lying and saying, oh, I don't really believe that or, oh, it's okay that I do, you know, it was really freeing, you know, finding virtue was really freeing. Yeah, it is very freeing. And philosophy. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I am honest with myself about is that I'm very much a troll and I try not to be, but I'm a troll even in real life. And one of the things is, so for example, in this last, I brought up political I news. I will say, oh, sorry, what? hold on. No, 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 go you ahead. I brought up political news, but Jack did mention, I was like, oh, so what's Spike like? He's like, oh, he's like, uh, he's like really chill, laid back. And he's a jokester. Yes. I'm, I'm that's a living that's troll. not the same as troll, but you know, I'm I a like troll with a heart, so. right? Like a troll with a heart of gold. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, I, so for example, I, I don't know if you, if you had followed it, there was an election, uh, earlier this week, or I guess last week, whatever, uh, the runoff election for the Mississippi Senate and the, uh, hmm. people that were running was a lady named Cindy Hyde Pierce, who was the Republican and Mike Espy, uh, who was the Democrat. Mike Espy is a black progressive, uh, Obama came down to campaign for him. Uh, you know, Oprah went like it was he was going to be the next Obama in Tennessee, basically. And Cindy Hyde Smith has made comments about public hangings and made veiled references to that, you know, certain black people should be kept from voting. So it was very much like, a oh, you gosh. know, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ugh. it was a, it was a very uh, yeah, it was a a real like <laughs> Dixiecrat, you know, uh, pre Civil War era throwback versus this wow. black progressive hope and change candidate. Socialist so, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. And so, well, mm-hmm. they're both technically they're both socialists in their own special way, right? But uh, but yeah, so <laughs> you had this like hardcore old guard socialist versus the new friendlier socialist, and uh, and Cindy won because it's Mississippi and she's a Republican and. Uh, I find myself looking for uh, uh, whenever uh, someone's side loses, I, I, I reach out to them and, and make my shoulder available for them. And I gently ask them to explain to me their vaunted democratic system and how wonderful it is. Um, do you find yourself doing that? That like <laughs> at people's and, and this probably is not a good example of, uh, uh, you know, being a, 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 a peaceful person in the world. But do you ever find yourself when people who. <laughs> You know, they say how wonderful and and sacred this system is, whether they call it a democracy or a republic or whatever they use to refer to it. This vaunted system, when they're like just lost brutally in something that you know emotionally, do you ever find yourself like saying, "Okay, now tell me about that wonderful system again and how great it is and how we should respect it and should die if we try to be a, not be a part of it"? <laughs> I, I've had that thought. I haven't really acted on it. I I consciously tried to. <laughs> Uh, focus on being empathetic. <laughs> so, no, but, so you're a better person than me, basically. No, no. I mean, yeah. So yeah, just... yeah. No, no, absolutely. Hey, look. I, I no, I'm just more on. consciously focused on empathy. Cause... It was, which is probably the better way to do it. I was like, it's liter- hard to do that on the internet sometimes. Like sometimes if someone's just throwing an ad hom, I like, or just like, you know, misinterprets what I said and like straw mans my arguments. Like, I just said it's not hard. an argument because I don't have time. Really, yeah, it's hard. But in person, 
like with family, friends, or just strangers that I meet, you know, um, in libertarian circles or whatever, like, you know, I, I, I'm more in the Socratic questioning mindset and empathy and just trying to help draw out the things that they believe in right. and then, then trying to help them apply what the principles they have um, to other areas where they're not applying it consistently. And yeah. So that's, that's, <laughs> so I have some self-work to do because I, I in general consider We all do. Pretty, Don't no, worry. No, I know, I know. I, I still I, do. Gosh. <laughs> I consider myself empathetic, but there were some friends that I, you know, hung out with them and I said, Hey, how about that democratic process? Huh? And I mean, this was like you know, hours. <laughs> it's after funny after. though. I like, yeah. you know, that's a way it's humorously bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't find it humorous, but, um, <laughs> fair oh. enough. I, I was because they felt so, defensive, probably <laughs> they were very defensive. And I did the same yeah. thing when, uh, DeSantis beat Gillum, pretty much a similar thing where you have someone who, yeah, someone, I followed that actually. Yeah. I had a lot of, lot of fun mm-hmm. with that one um, yeah i learned that gillum was like the most like he was so socialist he wanted to he agreed with bernie on universal basic income he wanted uh to um mandate a 15 dollar minimum wage in florida yeah. where the cost the of living is state, yeah. really low compared to other states because they um, don't have man south carolina yeah. has one of the lowest costs of, it's part of why i still live here it has one of the lowest costs of living um mm-hmm. i probably have the lowest tax burden of just about any american i'm in an unincorporated part of the oh, lowest there you go yeah, of, the, of the, the the unincorporated part of the one of the, of the lowest taxed county in one of the lowest tax states and i'm i also have a corporation to shield my income so i'm like i have as small of a tax burden as possible which is why i'm yes. here and if someone like a gillum uh uh you know were running for office here man i'd be tempted to vote just to vote against him um mm-hmm. That would be tempting, but uh, yeah, so I, sure. mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun when he when he lost. Okay. And and in my in my defense, if he had won, I would have been doing the same thing to the DeSantis supporters, saying like, "How about that constitutional republic, huh?" Um, so, yeah. <laughs> right. um, yeah. I, but, well, for sure. I mean, DeSantis had his own um, statism. Like he 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 said in one of his speeches, he was just like, "Oh yeah, you know, I don't." I believe in medical marijuana and I'll help for that, but not recreational because I really want to keep our kids away from uh, drugs. Which is what that, yeah, the drugs that they do anytime they want. Yeah. Right. And so I just, I don't know. I wonder if the big pharmaceutical companies, because there's a huge one and like there's a a lot of cronyism with uh, pharmaceuticals in Florida. I mean, you know, all around the, the country, but Florida especially. Um, but what there know, also is, there is a growing medical marijuana industry. So now they have an in, uh, a lobby who is, I guess, trying to get their, their foot into the door with the medical marijuana stuff. So it's interesting. It's like, okay, well, we can lobby too now. If, you know, if we're allowed this much legality, we can actually create a lobby now. So it's, it's, it's yeah. really... So it's I wonder it, who was lining his pockets helping his campaign. Oh, of course, of course. Of but course. he was very pro-Second Amendment. So that was the main thing I liked him for. And Gillum was you know, completely anti-Second Amendment. He was like, stand your ground is wrong. He wanted to repeal stand your ground. Uh, he wanted to limit magazine, you know, capacities. He wanted to ban, quote unquote, assault rifles. So he's assault all rifles, in that, right. you know, camp of... Uh, oh, he was a down the line, you know, every every hardcore progressive, uh, you know, uh, talking point he, he did. So, but yeah, yeah no, I, I, had a, I had fun with the supporters and Stacey Abrams supporters in Georgia. I had a lot of fun this cycle, I'll say. For me, <laughs> me personally, I had a lot of fun. Okay. And would have had fun regardless who won. So <laughs> how important do you find 
identity to be um, in in giving your message. Like you know, you are you are obviously uh, breaking a lot of the you know quote unquote stereotypes around who might be a libertarian or an ANCAP. That the stereotype is like more of like a me. Like a you nerdy know, white male, or something. yeah, nerdy white male. Oh, I'm not saying nerdy. that you. I'm a total okay, nerd. Well, I embrace it. I nerd life t- till I die. You're Jewish. Um, you got glasses on. I don't know. You're a teacher. I am. I am. <laughs> You're a logical the Prototypical. <laughs> you know. Uh. Uh. You know uh, what you would if someone met me and 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 read my things, they'd say you you invested in Bitcoin, didn't you? Um. So. Uh, so. But so you break a lot of those molds and stereotypes. How important do you think? Obviously, your identity isn't who you are in terms of your your thoughts and things. But how important do you think that is in terms of, you know, breaking those molds and and those narratives about well, that's mm-hmm. just a white person's, that's just a privileged white person's ideology that you're that you're female, that you're you know Asian, uh, that you are the uh, a child of you know immigrants and, and those types of things. How important do you think that is, if at all? Well, I guess I could wrap it under the umbrella of. Any falsehoods are important to debunk. So if it's a falsehood, then yeah, I love debunking it. I mean, I've had I have I've had people say, oh, she's just trying to get attention from all the white guy libertarians. I've had people say that, or oh, she's only talking about guns. She must be funded by the NRA. It's just like that's not an argument, but because. Because yeah. white libertarian males are the cream of the crop in terms of what you're looking for. In a, I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, they are though. <laughs> well, you. not all. It you not know, all. just because you're. I, mean, I like. I'll say this again. Just because you're libertarian or volunteers or anarchists doesn't mean you have your shit together. Doesn't mean you have self knowledge. Right. Doesn't mean you're a nonviolent communicator or even a peaceful parent. So, right. you know. But uh, if you have that foundation of you know wanting uh, people's consent to be respected and you believe in self-ownership, you know, that's right. a good basis for more virtue. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, and then like, so once you have the virtue, that's like a really good candidate, but only if you that's yourself is someone who's virtuous, you know? Okay. Well, I'm if being too hard like, on myself uh, then. Yeah. If I was like some feminist who like, you know, just cares about having some, uh, you know, man to come in and like, be assertive with me but has no virtue and like cheats on me and will be in a polyamorous relationship well yeah i'm not gonna look for a libertarian who's who does you know, that right uh, curious about the world curious about the truth and trying to be consistent ethically and logically like i would right. just be repulsed by someone who challenged my worldview um but as someone who you know craves conversations uh, that are philosophical you know there are a lot of libertarian men that are attractive and uh, and women. Right. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. I'm just saying, like, I I think that love <laughs> is, like, Stefan Molyneux has said this, and I agree. Uh, love is an involuntary response to virtue, if you are virtuous. So as somebody who values honesty, courage, uh, monogamy, uh, philosophy, logic, reason, like, I can't help but feel attracted to somebody who is as well, girl or guy. Right. And of course, I'm only romantically interested if it's, you know, a dude because I'm not Because you're not gay. That's good. But no, yeah. we, we've covered that. That's, that's, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, uh, ign- you know, focus on, on virtue. And um, I don't know. I don't know if you're married or something. Or yeah, I'm married. I'm married. I'm married. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You know, hopefully you found agree. somebody who 
you know, loves you for your virtue and your desire for the truth. Absolutely. And of course, thinks you're a little cute as well. <laughs> I hope so. I hope she thinks I'm cute. I, I try my best. I'm trying my best here. So, you know, I, I do what I can. At this point, we're, we're eight, uh, 11 years in a relationship, eight years in married. If she doesn't like oh, how I look at this point, then thank you. If she doesn't like how I look now, that's not a whole lot I can do about it. I can do another haircut or something, but that's about it. Another haircut. Yeah. So. You guys have uh, plans for children? Maybe. Someday. Okay. Maybe, possibly. We might possibly. Um, well, make so, sure you pick up nonviolent communication at the very least. Well, and that's the thing. So when I when I read about this, I'm like, you know, this is how I would want to raise a child. So, um, so yeah. But um, mm-hmm. so 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 yeah. So the the so a a big powerful thing that you can do with your identity, which you really have little, con- you have no control over your ethnicity, you have no control over your race or your 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 yeah. But it kind of works out that I am able to help break some stereotypes. It allows you to break those stereotypes, so that's yeah. really good. And and you've done an amazing job at it. And like I said, uh, you know, uh, t- uh, uh, three quarters. Sometimes of I go having- along with the stereotypes, like I say, yes, freeze, but. You know, I'm just playing around. I love. I have the <laughs> triple parentheses as my logo. Uh, I, you know, I've I've taken the muddied waters of freedom and added the alt right echo. So I am all about embracing uh, embracing uh, uh, stereotypes and narratives to to get They're my funny. point across. Yeah. So yeah. Um, my my badge for the show says "Listen to the Jew" and has a lot of uh, um, has a lot of uh, uh, Illuminati uh, iconic oh, no. iconography there. Oh, um, so, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm embracing the whole thing. Oh, and, uh, if that gets in some viewers, then great. Um, but, um, so yeah, no, three quarters of why I had you on was cause I think you're a really cool person. I, I was really looking forward to talking with you about stuff and, and, and maybe not quite a quarter, about a fifth of it was like, well, how did you do it? How did you get popular? So I was, I was happy oh. to, to, to find that stuff out. So I think honestly, part of it is, I don't know. A part of it is I am different. Like I, of course. I'm not another white guy making content. I mean, right. maybe that's part of the drop. Who knows? I, you know, there's more to that, but maybe some of it is I'm a girl. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure some of it is. But honestly, there are yeah. plenty of girls out there that are pushing libertarian content. You have to have some. Uh, yeah, there's more to merit it. Merit there. Like yeah, brand, you have to have some merit there. You need to have there. branding. A, you need to have good content for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have good marketing, good content, things like that, you can't just show up and be like, "Hey, I'm a." a black guy and taxation is theft and you know and you okay. get like a bunch of subscribers yeah. right exactly it doesn't work that way right so <laughs> right. um so thank you again for coming on i'm so happy to have had you on i'm going to give you the floor <laughs> before we go any final thoughts okay. you have any anything you want to plug any events that you have coming up whatever you want to yes. talk about the floor is yours yes please okay let me just grab this book that i find very important i show them not my communication but uh, I always bring this up. Um, I'm just over at my bookshelf. That's why. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, okay. Oh, here it is. <laughs> cool. So it's this book, and anyone who's followed me for a while knows that I love bringing these books up. So, okay. <laughs> Philosophy is important, yes, but the first step to you know, just discerning the reality of the world is to know yourself. That's like the first reality you need to understand is your internal reality. And so uh, I highly recommend checking out Healing the Child Within by Charles L. Whitfield. 
this was the first book I read that was just really monumental in helping me to articulate the traumas that I endured and the core issues. You can see I even have it bookmarked core. core issues from childhood that helped me to understand like some of the things that I've developed, like all or nothing thinking or behavior, uh, fear of abandonment, uh, neglecting my needs, uh, desire for control. That's a really big one for statists and just everyone in general. And yeah, so it's like really good. And this will help you. I'll find a link to that, like on Amazon or something. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay. Oh, I have some links. It's actually, so it is on the philosopher.com. Oh, okay. Well then, okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. On the homepage, you'll see, uh, there's a link to this and also nonviolent communication. Okay. I talk about it so much. And then this one is just more focused on like the methodology for communicating. How do you focus on, uh, objectively talking about your observations, being honest and vulnerable with your feelings and what you're experiencing and then uh, requesting what you would like to change in order to have your needs met in a way, you know, that's not shaming. Um, so these are really important for understanding yourself, forming a better relationship with yourself, because I believe that the way people treat others is usually a reflection of how they treat themselves in their minds. Like, you know, you'll hear someone say, well, not hear someone say, sorry, uh, someone will say in their head usually like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot. I did this. Like, I can't believe I was so stupid. You know, just those little things that you say to yourself in your head has a big impact on uh, how you view the world and how you view others, you know, in turn. So anyway, I really recommend people, um, anyone, just starting that journey of self-knowledge and uh, I'll make a video eventually about what that entails yeah, like i'm really looking forward to that that'll be good yeah but i can say here like basically um this could be your video <laughs> yeah <good. laughs> take a sip philosopher the, uh, also local jew like that's a good also you know, local jew yeah i <laughs> won't trigger anyone they'll have to <laughs> really understand what i'm saying but um <laughs> yes yeah, so starting that finding people who are like someone you can confide in and if you don't have friends and family that you can confide in, like I didn't at the time, uh, finding a, a therapist or a counselor who, you know, you'll pay to listen to you. But right. it's really important to have someone who can empathize and validate your experiences. So just starting that journey and uh, trying to heal your relationships as well. And well, first of all, heal, heal yourself and um, forming relationships with other people who are virtuous and developing virtues first and foremost, like focusing on being honest, focusing on, you know, clearing out your biases and even understanding what biases you have now in order to change them. Um, so yeah, so I will say that and uh, also keep an eye out, I think for um, the huge push against uh, dismantling the right to bear arms or just to defend yourself however yeah. way you want. and which is an attack on private property rights. Right, uh, right. Fundamentally, because no one should dictate what you can or can't own when you haven't been violent at all to anybody. Um, Because that's a huge push that's happening. And yes, there are other status things that are happening, but I I believe that- That's a big one, yeah. Yeah, being the, having weapons to defend yourself from criminals, whether they're in the state or outside is so important. Like- Just to be so that you can live, so you can stay alive. Like it's just kind of funny I have to say that. But 
Um, there is a huge push for it as there has been for the last like 50, 60 years, right. but just to like stay vigilant and um, build a community too. like find other like-minded people, look for local meetups, um, look for online communities where you can find fellow Liberty lovers and um, truth seekers uh, and like start to build it that way. So, and actually yeah. meet them and talk to them and go outside. <laughs> yeah. go outside occasionally and meet people i have to remind myself sometimes <laughs> it's, it's like, hard it's when... okay to go outside yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard when uh you know it, a lot of volunteers are scattered around but anyway so do that and then um also part of self-knowledge is forming empathy like you know have develop an empathy for yourself first and foremost and anything you went through um and thus you can translate to, to others because that's what I believe voluntarism is about. It's uh, having the empathy to, you know, say that you don't want this violence to happen to other human beings. And you recognize other human beings are like you too in that they don't want their consent violated either. Right. Um, and I think that's what will help us to communicate and spread the culture of voluntarism. Is, uh, with empathy, you know, we we live by example. We show that, oh, I'm in a you know monogamous relationship. I'm a peaceful parent. I solve you know disputes with communication, not violence. Right. Uh, I know myself. I'm humble. I'm honest. I'm trustworthy. And you can inspire other people to be like that too. And uh, oh, also, if you're empathetic with them, you don't shame them. Like that will help to lower their, their walls with you and right. see you as a human being and humanize the voluntarist and libertarian movement. So, yeah. Especially since it's so, <laughs> what, what we're saying is so outside of any kind of, you know, Tom Woods calls it the, the three by five card of allowable yeah. opinion, or some people call it the Overton window. What we're saying is uh -huh. so far, it sounds like, you know, I mean, I, I, I told someone, you know, they said, sum up your, your political beliefs in three words. And I said, legalize recreational plutonium. And, um, and. Such a troll. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. I like. I like thought was... of something else. I was like, no, empathy. It's like... <laughs> no, 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 no. It was, it was, uh, no, plutonium. Um, but, uh, but you know, so we're so outside of it. That probably yeah. wasn't the best thing for me to say. Uh, but, uh, we're so outside <laughs> of, of that, uh, you know, a, a paradigm of what people believe. Right. If you don't come off as like a person that someone even wants to be around, they're definitely yeah. not going to want to hear anything right. you have to say. It's going to be more alienated and be like, yeah, oh, even more. They're going to be like, yeah, I definitely don't want ideas. that. Exactly. So, right. so I'm going to exactly. work on that. I'm going to work on that a little. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, I do my best. So, so yeah. So yeah. check guys again. Thank you so much for coming on guys. Check out the philosopher on Facebook, on YouTube, on uh, on the muddy waters of freedom, uh, my fellow Americans, she'll be on there in a minute, and uh, check her out on Patreon. We'll put the link to her Patreon there. Uh, check out those book those books she just said, um, uh, healing the child within and uh, nonviolent communication. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've got it, and uh, the links to that are on her website, which we'll have the link to that on there. Um, she's not gay, uh, so it's <laughs> oh my gosh, that. I love that. Uh, so we covered that as well. Oh, no, um, that might encourage more uh, DMs. Oh, well. It's engagement. you got to <laughs> raise your engagement, right? You have to raise Maybe your engagement. Maybe that was the other thing I should have mentioned. Mention that you're, you know, like, what sex you're trying to do. 
interested in women, but I'm, I'm married ladies, but I, I mean, technically, um, so that, that's, yeah. So that, so increase your engagement by letting people know that you're not gay. Was the last, that's our parting thoughts from this uh, seminal moment in this show. Um, so guys, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Philosopher for joining us and uh, guys, <laughs> oh, check God, us out. Having me. Yeah. Thank you. And, and check us out next week for the muddy waters of freedom where Matt Wright and I will be parsing the week's news and explaining in hopefully a slightly less trollish way than I have been, uh, how, uh, how that, you know, uh, affects us and, and how, uh, the, the, uh, libertarian philosophy plays into that. Uh, check us out again next week on my fellow Americans. I don't remember at the moment who my guest is, but I can guarantee you it's a good one. And uh, thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Open up the only fine I'm in line